Hello everybody and welcome back to Lopes on Movies, the number one movie review show on WVUD. My name is Joey Lopes and I'm joined today by Mark. Hello. So Mark, how are you doing today? Doing okay. Not a bad uh, not a bad weekend for you? Eh, it was fine, yeah. It was fine, but you know, interestingly, uh, neither of us saw any uh, movies in theaters this weekend. That is true, uh, yeah. We, uh, you know, we looked at what was out. We, we took a look at the the options, and we said, uh, no thanks. Not going to happen, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, this this was a week where actually going to the theaters, I mean, let's face it, guys, there's no reason to do that. So instead, we're going to take things from a slightly different angle. One thing I always wanted to do on this show was get into movies that, you know, you can watch at home. Uh, things that you can find streaming or on video or on Blu-ray or whatever you want to use and just kind of get into the stuff that I really like and the stuff that we really like and give you some recommendations and stuff that you might be might have missed or might find interesting. So this week, given that last week was a review of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which none of us liked, we thought it would be appropriate to talk a little bit about Godzilla. Yeah. Well, just kind of had an itch for it, you know, because it was like, man, I really like that movie from a couple years back. I kind of mm-hmm. want to rewatch it, and then you do, and you're like, man, I really want to talk about this some Yeah, more. exactly, exactly. Let's get into what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to be reviewing, well, not really reviewing, but kind of discussing two Godzilla movies today. The first being the very original Godzilla movie from 1954, just called Godzilla or Gojira in Japan, and 2016's Shin Godzilla, which was the most recent Japanese Godzilla film, which we mentioned in the previous episode. But now we'll kind of give you an idea of what that's actually about, because I'm going to guess you didn't see it. It didn't have much of a wide release over here in the States. Uh, but it, but it, it won was, Best Picture in Japan. Yeah, incredibly yeah. successful in Japan. It was it yeah. was like swept their uh, their version of the Academy Awards. So it's it's an interesting movie to talk about, and I think that there's there's a lot to discuss there. So let's start with what started it all, Godzilla. So Mark, you didn't get a chance to watch this. No, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I just decided to watch this on a whim because originally we were just going to talk about Shin Godzilla, but I thought maybe it would be fun if I went back to the beginning just to give myself a little bit more context. So some background on this whole Godzilla thing. The franchise began, obviously, with this Godzilla or Gojira, and the whole idea behind the movie is that it's a disaster movie, but it's steeped in post-World War II like nuclear paranoia, and from the Japanese perspective, obviously. So... It's a movie that you're at least ostensibly supposed to take seriously. It's not like a a goofy monster fighting movie. I mean, it's definitely got like B-movie roots, but it still is a serious story that unlike future Godzilla movies, Godzilla is just an unstoppable force that all of the main characters in the movie have to contend with. He's not the protagonist. He's not, obviously he's the centerpiece, but he's not, you're not watching the movie just to see Godzilla fight things. Right, you're watching because there, there's a story being told. So that's very different from what Godzilla would later become. I think the character became so iconic that eventually the franchise went beyond what the original film was trying to do, and it just became all about that Godzilla character. And they took it in, a, in the opposite direction. Now suddenly Godzilla is just a wrestler. He's just doing wrestling with yeah. other monsters. Basically yeah. professional wrestling in monster suits. Um, it, it's it's crazy, which in it's, its own way it does have a charm to it, but oh, no you kind of have it. to treat it 
as not I don't want to say lesser, even though it kind of is. But like, if you don't take it at it at its goofiness, if you don't really lean into that, and and you are trying to pretend that it's got something more going on, it it gives you a headache with how much it just clashes. You know, that's actually the one of the funny things. One thing I want to talk about was how. You can group Godzilla movies into two categories. One category being the serious Godzilla film that deals with Godzilla as an unstoppable force that the main characters have to contend with and grapple with. And then you have the other end, which is Godzilla as the centerpiece where the appeal of the movie is just watching Godzilla fight other monsters. These are two different kinds of Godzilla movies. And the new Godzilla movies kind of exist in this weird gray area in between where it's not all the way one and not all the way the other. So you end up with basically bad human stories tacked on to schlocky monster fights instead of just leaning into the monster fights or going all in on a, telling a good human story. Or a um, B-movie style story, which is a different kind of storytelling in general. And I would say, from what I can tell, both of the movies we're talking about today have that more traditional B-movie style. For sure, for sure, yeah. There, there's, there's subtle things that once you pay attention to it, you kind of get a sense for like why these new Godzilla movies, in particular the, the newest one, because I didn't hate 2014, but this newest one, mm -hmm. why it doesn't really resonate. Um, so I had one particular example that really stuck out to me while watching the original 1954 Godzilla, and I'm, I'm going to say it right now, I'm going to spoil the movie. You, you had plenty of time, and you definitely had plenty of time to watch the original in 60-something years. <laughs> so, In Godzilla King of the Monsters, okay, the newest Godzilla movie, one plot point is that Ken Watanabe's character, his last name is Sur, uh, Surizawa, he sacrifices himself in order to resuscitate Godzilla at a critical point because Godzilla gets like injured, and then they have to bring him back so he can fight the bad monster, right? So he does this by choice, but it's all just a necessity of the plot, right? Godzilla is needs needs to be resuscitated. Somebody's got to do it. He basically volunteers to sacrifice himself. But he in particular has no strong reason to beyond just he's a noble guy, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, another thing is to note is that these characters don't even really have a reason to be this close to the action to begin with. They're mm -hmm. just kind of like... Well, we follow Godzilla around because that's what we do, right? We're right. Like, we're, they're basically serving in a way as the the ring coach to him, um, like in a <laughs> boxing match. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're tapping his shoulder, giving him a towel, and getting him pepped up mm -hmm. to go back in. Sure. And it's just, I don't know. But I want to bring up this character, Sarazawa, in particular, because in the original Godzilla movie, there is also a character named Sarazawa. And obviously that's definitely intentional. But mm -hmm. the Sarazawa in the original Godzilla, the climax of the movie centers around him performing a similar kind of sacrifice, okay? But in this case, he because this is a very like different kind of movie, obviously, the Godzilla is the you know, bad guy, you know, put that in quotes, in the, yeah. the old movie. Sarazawa goes down to sacrifice himself to kill Godzilla. But in this case, his sacrifice really means something, okay? And then I have to give you some background in order to understand why. So Sarazawa, his character, he's a scientist, and in the course of his research, he discovers a way to create what they call an oxygen destroyer, which is a device that removes oxygen from the environment and liquefies any living organism nearby, right? So he tests this on, like, a fish tank, and, like, all of the fish basically, like, evaporate. All their bones are just left, right? Mm -hmm. 
which is funny because King of the Monsters actually references this. Well, yeah. the, the the army tries to use an oxygen destroyer. Of course, in that in that movie, it's just a disposable plot element that they just kind of move on from really quickly. Um, but anyway, so in the original, so Sarazawa, he, he becomes like ashamed of himself for creating this because he realizes that he's essentially created a weapon of mass destruction inadvertently. And of course, with, you know, the sting of like nuclear warfare still like prominent in his mind because this movie came out not that long after World War II, like 10 years since, since 1944. So yeah. this, this is something that like really weighs on him and he's determined to find a way to use the oxygen destroyer for good before revealing it to the public. Now, eventually, the main characters of the movie convince him, okay, you have to use this to stop Godzilla. It's the only way. And he agrees, but only on the condition that this is the first and only time it's ever used, right? So he destroys all of his notes on the research, and then he goes out to the ocean with them to destroy Godzilla. So again, like his point is that he doesn't want anybody to use this because he doesn't want it to fall into the wrong hands. But the problem he identifies is that hey, I still know about it and humans are fallible. Like, it's totally possible that someone could, could coerce me, like some politician could go out there and co coerce me to give them the information on the oxygen destroyer and it could be used as a weapon of mass destruction. So when he goes out to destroy Godzilla, he insists that he has to go down into the ocean and place the destroyer by himself. And so he does that in like a scuba gear and everything. And once he places it down in the ocean, he cuts his line back up to the boat and lets himself die with it while when it kills Godzilla. So That's that really cool. that has a lot of weight to it because he basically said I can't exist because I don't trust myself to be able yeah, it goes to beyond like know. an honorable suicide. Right, it's there's actually... this, there's something to that, you know, like it it, yeah. it 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 makes the whole climax of that movie feel like it has so much That's weight really and intense. like, yeah. like momentous to it. Like I I really felt something there. So just like think about that for a second. Think about the difference in in character in one case you have a sacrifice that means nothing in the other yeah. case you have a sacrifice that really really like means something about that character so it, it's just like a, a crucial difference that you can you can see how a real movie handles characters yeah. versus uh, a schlock movie that doesn't really know what it's doing and i want to ask one more thing about the specifically when the characters see godzilla in in the original mm-hmm how often do your do the main characters actually even come in contact with Godzilla? Very like almost never. They they're pretty much like there's one point where they're reasonably close to Godzilla, um, but for the most part, they're watching from afar if they're ever and like in the the same general area as Godzilla. Yeah. I think this is the key to what I mentioned before about the B movie style writing for both of these movies, and then what I would. I think I would call a storm chaser style of storytelling in these newer movies. Mm -hmm. um, a la Independence Day falls into this, a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. B-movies, due to budgetary constraints, have to tell stories where these really are very separate worlds of people that affect the situation in a huge way. Mm -hmm. But usually they're like higher-ups, they're scientists, they're, they're the classic sci-fi protagonists. Mm-hmm. And the event is going on, and they, they can see it, they observe it, but they don't really see it firsthand until a pivotal moment like that. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, that allows for those moments, and this carries through the Shin Godzilla as well, which we'll talk about, become huge mm -hmm. because 
well, one, they have to pour their budget into those moments, but yeah, for right. two, they become moments of huge story story weight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in in these more modern takes on, I guess the same genre of disaster movie, tend towards like because our main characters are right up against it constantly. They take on this air of invincibility. Yeah, where right. The, you the don't have armor thing. Any care what's going on around them. There can be meteorites falling around them. They and can they'll be, be right fine, next yeah. to a tornado. You know they're going to be fine because you don't just have meaningless death that happens. Um, and it kind of makes it boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but, I will uh, say, so in, in King of the Monsters, there is one death that happens like almost off screen. You, bar- you can barely tell that it happens. But it's basically like the only you know what characters are disposable and which ones aren't so you can kind of find out like okay this character could die and it wouldn't mean anything to the plot and then they'll do that as like a cheap way to try to get your sympathies but it's garbage when like the main character like the the girl in king of monsters is like at fenway park and king Ghidorah is firing lasers at her at her and she yeah. like literally at her and she gets and away like she's fine you know those lasers obliterate like a battalion of troops earlier in the movie mm-hmm. so it's just like come on guys what is this yeah but like and and that's the key because you have to keep them so separate in these earlier movies it is a vast like a huge danger to come into contact because it is a huge danger to come yeah, into contact exactly. with this kind of thing exactly it carries its weight because of that yeah and uh, yeah so that's my thoughts on this whole genre shift. Yeah, it, it's it's very strange. You know, it, it <sighs> Yeah, I don't I don't even really know what else to say about that, but I think you hit the nail on the head. Hey everyone, just wanted to take a moment to say if you like what you're hearing, you can find us on Twitter at Lopes on Movies, and the backlog of all of our episodes is available on YouTube. Just search Lopes on Movies. And please feel free to reach out to us. You can email us at lopesonmovies at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. We want your feedback, and who knows, if we like what you have to say, maybe we could even have you on the show sometime. Alright, now back to the movies. So let's let's start talking about Shin Godzilla now. So fast forward 2016, in Japan, Godzilla is quote-unquote rebooted with a new take from Hideaki Anno, who is the creator and director of the anime Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is a super popular anime, if you're not aware, one of the most influential anime series ever. So he gets his hands on Godzilla. What Anno decides to do is essentially do a retelling of the original story, right, with, where Godzilla is a force of destruction and mankind has to figure out what to do about him, okay? But it approaches it from a very different way than the 1954 movie, where the 1954 movie is very much a movie of its time um, about nuclear war and the proliferation of nuclear bombs and just what that means for humanity, whereas in this one, it's also of its time, but in a completely different way. So, Mark, you mentioned that it's very steeped in the 2011 Fukushima uh, nuclear yeah. disaster and the earthquake. If you want to talk the about that The earthquake especially, yeah. So mm-hmm. a lot of the disaster elements of this have direct parallels to what mm-hmm. you would see from viewing images of that, mm-hmm. those incidents, basically. Mm-hmm. So he very deliberately took that mm-hmm. um, as inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's trying to put you and, in the headspace of that. And yeah. 
what he does is tell a story that's part disaster movie and disaster relief effort and part like political satire and i think it would be worth backing off and giving a summary a bit of what actually happens in this movie sure if you want to get into basically that. godzilla which in this universe i guess with all of these sort of things nobody knows about giant monsters before they show up right but in this godzilla emerges from the deep as just this weird blob thing, but nobody knows what it is at the start. Um, it could be an earthquake. It could be a, a nascent volcano. It could be anything. And of course, this is causing issues. Things like traffic jams, things like uh, smashing up boats in the bay, mm -hmm. breaking up the tunnel that's leading mm -hmm. into, this, into Tokyo. And the government gets involved like immediately. And this is shown because we follow them as well throughout this story. Right. Just through a bunch of boardrooms and bureaucrats yelling at each other. Yeah, and, the main characters and, and of the movie are, are bureaucrats and politicians that are trying to do something about this Godzilla problem. Yeah, there's no real eye on the ground. There, there are snippets of things that are happening. Like, he'll just cut to a, a scene of people sliding down evacuation ramps or mm -hmm. people in the building that Godzilla is about to topple over. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, those aren't, like, characters. They're just people that are in the wrong place at the wrong time right um yeah. and that's enough that's enough to get you like you can understand what is going on on the ground with that kind of stuff like i was thinking that that tom the tom cruise war of the world the steven spielberg spielberg war of the worlds where it's like yeah. you're just following a family get it going through the 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 world where the aliens are attacking right so what can you do here storytelling wise we're a family. We have to stick together. We love each other because we're a family. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, and that, that's yep. all they ever do. And even the, yeah. the Godzilla King of the Monsters, which theoretically we're watching the people that are supposed to be able to deal with Godzilla. Like they are the... Yeah, they, the, they, they yeah. tried to have their cake and eat it too with but Godzilla it, it, King It's of still the just a garbage, we're, we, we love each other because we're family story. Yeah. There's nothing like that in Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla is all about process and, okay, yeah. we have this problem, how do we stop it? Mm -hmm. It's heavy into the logistics of the situation. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly fascinating. So, like I said, the it's part political satire in the way that it's basically lampooning the way that the, the Japanese government is in, uh, unable to react to this disaster in a way that's probably very close to reality in when the Fukushima disaster occurred. I imagine there was probably some tension there. Um, so there's, there's so many scenes, like you said, in boardrooms where like a bunch of bureaucrats sit around, they're like, oh man, what do we do? What do we do? We have to consult with these people. Let's meet in a different boardroom. Then they'll get, uh, everyone will get up, walk yes. to a different boardroom and everyone will be in the same boardroom to have a different meeting. Too. Yeah. The exact yeah. same people. But this, this is the thing. And then everybody's saying like, oh, we don't have, there are no regulations for this. We don't know how to deal with this. So without the paperwork and without the, the exact process written down on paper, they don't know what to do. So they're all like... Nobody knows who's in charge of what. Yeah, nobody knows Everybody's who's in charge. cutting back and forth. And meanwhile, you just cut behind between this, like the deadlock, and Godzilla making his way yeah. through the city, just destroying everything in his mm -hmm. path. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, man, this is brutal in a way. So, Especially on the second viewing. Yeah, for sure. And I think the what the story ends up being about is basically trying to cut through all of that bureaucratic muck and just say, okay, I'm going to take charge, get this group of people together, and we're going to figure out a plan to do something about this. 
So that that's actually something that Anno has always been like. If you watch Evangelion, you can see this. He's very fascinated with process and how things get done. It it also deals a little bit with Japan's sort of tenuous place in global politics, which might be one of the reasons why it resonated so much overseas. Mm-hmm. Because there's a, a big portion of this movie is how the United States at some point has to get involved, and yeah. they basically say we're gonna nuke Tokyo to destroy this yeah. thing unless and, you guys can do something are... about it in like a ridiculous oh. deadline. Um, and and the Japanese government just sort of like folds and is like, all right, we'll do it. But you know, obviously, there's plenty of people in in this process that are trying to do something about it that are furious about mm-hmm. this. And it's sort of like talking about Japan's questionable place with the United States and how they feel almost subservient to them, which I think yeah. is that's a theme they've been dealing with ever since World War II and after the, like, the fallout of World War II and how all of that went down. So it's it's still very very prominent. There's there's a lot of very interesting things going on, but it's it's never didactic. It's never like beating you over the head with this is what this movie is about. It's all yeah. it's still all about the relief effort. It's it moves at a clip. It's very fast paced for the most part, and it's it this doesn't feel like unearned these these mm-hmm. thematic things. These feel like they're just woven yeah. into the DNA of the movie. Not like in Godzilla King of the Monsters where they just sort of like say oh it's it's because of global warming ha ah, that that's why I'm evil. Like gar- garbage mm-hmm. like that. Like, no, it's nothing like that. It's just very, very honest storytelling. Yeah. Nobody ever comes in and throws back their head and cackles and gives their whole story of, like, and that was why I did, I re- unleashed Godzilla upon the earth and stuff like that. Yeah. There are threads woven throughout the movie of, like, y- you, they build up and earn that moment where they've decided that the only course of action is nuclear, uh, you know warheads and it feels like like when that's announced it's like it just it takes all the the air out of the room like everyone's like oh no yeah. we mm-hmm. we have to we have to do something about this it, it just there's so much like weight to everything that happens in the movie yeah. it's incredible there's a million aspects to this movie that we could talk about but one thing that i think would be interesting to get into is the special effects cuz obviously this movie is a modern day blockbusters from japan but it is a modern day movie so obviously we have to have a cgi godzilla much like the 2014 and godzilla king of the monsters godzilla but the approaches to godzilla's design are so radically different it's fascinating the the cgi in particular it some might think that that it's like tv movie tier at times but it almost feels like it had to be intentional um, there, there are moments in this where Godzilla is just really creepy looking. Mm-hmm. Like you are unnerved by looking at this thing, even though it's just like this uncanny valley abomination, especially at the start. Yeah. Um, I remember like when we, when we first saw this movie in theaters back a couple of years ago, when the first form of Godzilla first appeared on screen, like the first showing our theater people like laughed. started laughing yeah. because yeah. It, the, the design is so intense and the second mm-hmm. you see it, you're like, whoa, what is that? Like, it, it, it completely confounds your expectations of what you would expect to see from a Godzilla movie. It's this weird, creepy, fish-eyed abomination where you first see it and you're like, what is that thing? And then you get better looks at it as it continues and you're like, this thing's really disgusting looking. Yeah. Like, it's like it, dripping the, blood out of its gills and everything. It's, yep. it's like this and gross abomination. And its eyes are just these, these awful, like what are the like gormless fish eye yeah. things that are just staring out and oh it's just 
awesome in how gross it is. Yeah. And then it, it continues to progress. And the way the animation works in some of these shots is extremely reminiscent of, like, stop-motion Godzillas. And then mm. later on, there are moments that are definitely... I mean, for one, it was mo-capped, but it definitely looks like a rubber suit Godzilla, which is mm. really at odds with what it is doing at the time mm. that it looks like a rubber suit Godzilla. It's destroying the city, basically. Mm-hmm. But and, and I say that because that's one thing worth mentioning here. I say destroying the city, and you think... Oh, psh, I see that a million times over in all of these disaster mm-hmm. movies. No, you feel the impact yeah. of that city destruction, yeah. despite the fact that Godzilla is moving around like some dude in a rubber costume. Mm-hmm. It hurts to watch that moment for sure. It, you know, it's just... honestly gives me chills every time I watch it. That's how much this movie earns its moments, but also it's really credit to just the directing. For sure. Like, the, the music choices are perfect. Oh, yeah, the, I love the music. The special effects, like, the, the sound effects especially, they utilize, from what I know on reading up on this, the laser beam effect from the, the goofier Godzillas mm-hmm. at moments that are decidedly very much not goofy. Sure, yeah. Like, the, the laser slices through the city, and you feel the fact that that laser is killing thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of people as mm-hmm. you're watching it. It is, I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't think I've had another disaster movie where I'm like, a lot of people are dying right now. <laughs> and, jeez. And like, I, I mean, it's, it's similar to me, like the, the actual, actually, the, you know, there's a good comparison, the original Godzilla. That's another one where you really feel the weight of Godzilla's impact and how it weighs on the main characters and how they have to do something about it. Like, one of the things that's so insipid about the new movies is that it's, they have, like, like tunnel vision where the only characters that matter are, like, the core family, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, it's devastating when the one character's mom dies. Or King Ghidorah and a bunch of monsters just kill, like, half the population of the Earth. And we're supposed to care about this one character, this evil character dying. And yeah. like her daughter being sad. And there, there even are moments where they forget the calculus on this, where we just watched a whole city get obliterated, but then there's like one helicopter carrying 20 people and we're supposed to care now. Right, exactly, like, exactly. But that's not the case in, in, in like Shin Godzilla, not at all. One thing that you're always going to hear us harp on is movies have to earn their emotional moments and their moments that resonate. You can't just have a dramatic scene paste it somewhere and expect us to care i know like i think one thing i i can't like overstate how good the atomic breath scene is in is in this movie Mm -hmm. everything builds up to it just perfectly Mm -hmm. and you get to it and it absolutely delivers and then some like i i guess i already said this but like Man, even like the the colors of that scene. Yeah, it's it's just, it's so you can't iconic. forget it. It's it's brutal. And my favorite part about it is you see the the laser come out, and then it starts slicing through the city, and it cuts to all of the districts 
that it's slicing to. Yeah, it makes you, and it's it makes so you keenly perfect. aware of what is being lost. Yeah. So I, all right, so we're coming up on the end here. So I just want to say what I said in the in the episode last week: Shin Godzilla won't necessarily scratch the same itch that you're looking for from Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is just I want to see monsters fighting each other. But Godzilla doesn't have to be that dumb. It can be, and it has been that dumb well in the past. But it's got more meat to it than that. It doesn't have to just be a, you know, movie that you just put on as background noise or just because you need something to do. It exactly. can be something that has more to chew over than that. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I highly recommend that you go check out Shin Godzilla. I would also recommend checking out the original. It's definitely old, but the story holds up. So that's really all I got to say about that. Mark, do you have any other comments you want to bring up? Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. Well, everyone, I think that's going to do it for us this week. I want to thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with, I don't know, something. I don't, I don't even know what's yeah, going on we'll next it week. Out. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you again next week, and I hope you have a great rest of your morning. Thank you.